I'm Jeff Sheesby, a.k.a. The Old Man Who Bets. And I'm Anthony Latino, a.k.a. The Odds Fellow. And this is short-term high-volatility investments, your one-stop shop for sports betting and insights no matter what season is in full swing. And now, let's cash some tickets. Week three is upon us. The fall weather continues to improve. It's almost 60 degrees here in New York City. It's almost time for pumpkin beers as we chat about every week at this point. It feels like this is short-term high volatility investments. My name is Jeff Sheesby, a.k.a. The Old Man Who Bets, alongside my main man, Ant Latino. You know him as the odds fellow. And we're coming off a pretty hot week, too. Uh, I went 3-2-0 on my plays here on the pod last week, 5-1 uh, and, and one on total, total sides. Um, or total plays that were premeditated. I went one and one on second half games, but nonetheless, that's some good bounce back energy after I went one and four in week one with two of the worst beats of my career. And how'd you do? A little bounce back? How'd it go? Bounce back in a big way in week two and righted the ship on some of these uh, terrible baseball bets that I've been experiencing, which maybe we'll touch on briefly later because the fun continued last night when I went over two, um, mm. thanks to a late inning Giants comeback because the Padres, aka the fathers of baseball, are apparently a fade. Um, but yeah, for NFL on Sunday, I capped off a nice little, uh, uh, it was either six and or seven and Um, so that is good. Right. Right. We had, you know, a, a good little day, some half unit plays in there. And then the rest were all really uh, one unit. We followed that up by splitting and going one, one and one on Monday night football with a first half loss followed up by a second half winner. I should have known and just went heavier on that second half. There was no way I thought the lions we're staying in that game, but they, you know, the, the entire first half they did. So it left me a little bit skeptical. I wanted to see the line a little bit higher, but I jumped on a six and a half and uh, Aaron Rodgers got it done. Yeah, I went one on one on that one as well. First yeah. half bust. Yep. Minus seven. I will be fading the Lions in the first half again this week. Stay tuned to that. We'll get to the picks in a second. Uh, but I hit the team total over for the Packers. It was great to see them bounce back. I mean, I think when we're talking overreactions, underreactions, reactions in general, this Packers defense is more porous than a sieve. You know, this is a huge concern. <laughs> Any immediate thoughts there? It feels like I could go out there and maybe run for a 15-yard gain. And I'm pushing 240 pounds right now. Yeah, my 40 time isn't exactly what it once was. You got to get out there. Got to just got to you know shake the rust off and uh, and start running. But no, it is a sieve. I mean, I every time I looked down, I had the game on a little bit. I was watching on my phone, and I kept seeing the team driving. And I'm like, okay, Packers. Oh wait, no. Oh, that's Jared Goff. Oh wow, the Lions are in the red zone again. Oh wow, they take another lead. You know, it was constantly the Packers playing catch up in the first half, and obviously they had a better third quarter. But you'd expect a, a better effort against uh you know really what is a lackluster. Detroit Lions offense so concerning to me yes overreaction probably obviously they recovered better from a you know week one debacle um, but they didn't really put the clamp down the way you thought they might have especially in the first half yeah for sure I mean this is a Packers defense last year with weighted DVOA looking at um, you know outcomes of the games at, at 14 which is is not bad this yeah. year we're looking at 28 which is like falling off a cliff, and they haven't changed much personnel. I do think perhaps there's uh, maybe light at the end of the tunnel while they're 28th in terms of DVOA. Dave, which takes into effect uh, kind of preseason expectations. We can get into the definitions there in a second. Uh, but they're looking a little bit better there. 19th. 19th is still better than 28th. You know, solidly in the middle of the pack versus solidly at the bottom of the pack. Uh, so is it safe to say that – I mean, I'm at least cautiously optimistic that this defense will, the Ladera, Ladarius and Preston Smith will, will get it together on the line and, and maybe slow somebody down just for a second. Yep. In the words of Aaron Rodgers, 
relax. Yeah, I love that. R E L. Also, can I get a beer with that uh with that Dave fella? Sounds like a nice guy. Yeah, he does sound like a great guy. All right. Anyway, without further ado, I mean, what other games? I mean, it was an electric slate, right? Even yeah, especially on especially night. in the afternoon games. I think you know the one o'clock was a little bit slow, but right. What was the, oh Thursday night was that? Yeah, that uh, NFC East battle back yeah. and forth. Darius yeah. Slayton with a big drop. I like to say more Danny Dimes with a bad throw, even though it was credited as a drop, but. Don't look now. Danny Dimes, a fantasy stud. I mean, he ran for 100 yards last week in a touchdown. He's gone over 250 both weeks. I'm not ready to stream him, but I saw the waiver wire pickups, and it seems like some people are. Yeah, I mean, rushing quarterbacks make a difference, and they matter. And uh, if they're going to get Dimes out in the pocket and or he's going to take off when the pocket collapses, then, yeah, maybe that is a streamer effect. Maybe he, he, you know, he helps the buy get a good matchup. Uh, but the, that some of those NFC East defenses might be better than we thought, so be careful. Yeah, yeah for sure. Another game, obviously, that was absolutely electric is going to be that Chiefs and Ravens game, perhaps yeah. a Super Bowl preview, perhaps not. But uh, I went to bed accidentally. I was lying in bed watching the game with my Chiefs minus three and a half bet as a winner, and I woke up about 15 minutes after the game ended to see that it was a loser. Hell of a fourth quarter from the Ravens. What do we make of that? Yeah, I was actually looking at it and eyeing it and trying to get to a live line. Uh, I almost did take a Chiefs live line when they got the ball back. I think around that timing, it was only like minus 170, which is surprising to think that they only needed a field goal. And we're marching down the field to do it. A lot of things had to go wrong or right, depending on what side of this you're on, mm-hmm. um, you know, for the Ravens to, to get there. Obviously, they would have covered the game. So if you look at it from a spread perspective, even that field goal would have kept it inside the, you know, minus three and a half. But mm-hmm. I could only imagine the liability that Vegas took on throughout that fourth quarter with the Chiefs live, um, you know, which was probably interesting. So I'm sure they come out a winner uh, on the other side and continue uh, a good week for the books, needless to say. So I think that rolls me right into you know one of my first uh, one of my first plays of the day. This Ravens team going against the Lions, uh, super super interesting line here at minus four first half. Uh, you know in my notes here I wrote down excuse me what I think this is the trappiest line perhaps of the slate, uh, and I say you know trap and you're into real it. Good. You're into yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know I'm channeling my inner Sap Ferg, aka the Trap Lord, and, and I think I'm going to jump right into this one. Do you but, think it's just uh, you know reading into the line? And like you said, it is a trap line, full game, first half. But is that because of the letdown factor here and just the thoughts of them coming off an emotional Sunday night football comeback victory against the lowly? Now we go to face the lowly 0-2 Lions? I think that feels uh, feels right for sure, the narrative yeah. line. But you know what I really liked here? And I'm looking at, again, DVOA versus Dave. DVOA is defensive adjusted value over average in simple terms. It is total defense, uh, kind of compared to, to the outcome of other teams. And it's looking at how efficient they are. Dave, on the other hand, uh, is taking into account preseason, uh, preseason expectations. So that obviously, I think, is a little bit more of a represent- representative uh, statistic early in the season. So DVOA is what's happening right now. Dave is what should be happening, currently happening with preseason expectations. So I'm using the juxtaposition between those two as if a team should regress for the positive or for the negative. And we look at this Baltimore defense here. Uh, they are ranked 23rd in DVOA, but they're 12th in Dave. So I think they've been underperforming. They've also played some really good teams. Uh, and I think this is a Lions team that has also kind of been under uh, overperforming a little bit. Uh, obviously had an epic backdoor cover in week, week one, almost had an epic backdoor cover in week two. Uh, but I think they're just going to, to get 
slaughtered here, I would I suppose. You know, I think the biggest head-scratcher for me on this one is the yards per play from this Baltimore defense. They're currently allowing 6.9 yards per play and .527 points per, uh, yards per play and points per play, which is insane. Both of those are terrible, terrible statistics. But again, they've played two stud offenses, and they should regress uh, for the best. Meanwhile, the Lions here, in terms of DVOA and Dave uh, on defense, 32 and 31, fantastic, <laughs> which is consistent. It's consistency. Yeah, exactly. So the line that small with a defense yeah. that's that bad is great. Yeah. And their offense doesn't necessarily, you know, win any awards either. 22 and 20 uh, for those two. So they should get slightly better. And, yeah. um, but nonetheless, uh, I think this is a kind of a no brainer spot for the, for the Ravens in the first half. Yeah. And look, the Ravens are not afraid to ride their own defense. Uh, Martindale, I think is the defensive coordinator. He's, you know, well-known in the NFL circles, the guy will dial it up. Uh, you have uh, athletes and studs across that defense, guys that are forcing turnovers, even against, you know, look how much they stepped up to. And, and you think about just that defense and some of the youth and it growing up quickly against a team like the Kansas City Chiefs and getting a stop with the game on the line. So I think all that does, you know, you, yeah, will you always have a letdown factor in the NFL? And does that narrative matter? Yes. But um, I'm sure there's a lot of positive coming out of last week too. That, that those guys can build on. So yeah. I'm into it. Hey, look, future lock, whale, max bomb of the century is, you know, the lion's under. So just keep losing, right? Yeah, for sure. The Chernobyl elites are, are salivating over the 500-unit nuclear bomb we're going to drop. <laughs> but neither here nor there. But anyway, That's that was right. a quick and dirty. That was uh, some loose analysis. That was more art than science. But I think the science does back it up. So... Um, well, let's touch on one of the other Sunday night games, and then we'll get into another one of your picks as a little segue. We'll go back cool. and forth between business and pleasure. The uncles are in town. My two uh, favorite. So obviously, I was watching closely that you know Dallas Cowboys, Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, I believe is a 4:25 America's game of the week. Tony Romo, the sweetheart, America's sweetheart, right? You know, just speaking. Yeah, I thought it was Chris Brown, but no longer. No, it's Tony <laughs> no, Romo. No, it's Tony Romo, baby. But he, uh, you know, great game. A lot of back and forth. I think shocking. Um, to see where the total ended up in that game, which ultimately was close. The Cowboys won on a late 56-yard field goal because Mike McCarthy does not know how to coach. But we'll mm -hmm. we'll shelve that for now. Um, but the game stayed way under, you know, a total of I think was around 49 to 51. Um, but for a while there was no punting in this game. Mm -hmm. But it was just offenses that kind of stalled out. We saw some dumb penalties. We saw some turnovers. Um, we saw some field goals. Um, so a lot of drives that fizzled. Uh, and didn't convert into a full seven or sometimes even three points. So, you know, it was interesting. I love the, the back and forth defenses stepped up. It was a lot of bend but don't break. Um, but any reactions from, you know, that finish, what you expected? Yeah, I mean, I was on the uh, the Cowboys plus two and a half, so to see them win that game, obviously was pumped about, was super hot on them after their performance against the Bucks. I continue to think that this offense is elite and this defense is slightly underrated, although the Dave and DVOA stats will say it's, exactly who we thought they were and which is pretty good allowing yeah. 31 and, and 17 to two pretty good offenses and i think what stood out to me most in this one um was kind of the lack of aerial attack coming from uh, the cowboys there cd obviously still balled out he hit over 100 yards uh i believe he did at least um something like that i don't have the stats in front of me but uh, Amari Cooper, you know, disappearing act, but that's not necessarily uncommon for Amari Cooper. He's been yeah. known to not show up in games, especially after big ones. But I think that, if anything, that's probably a bit of an overreaction as well. PFF had this secondary for the Chargers, number 14th in the preseason. So it's not like they're a, a bad unit by any right. means, and I think they stepped up. I think more importantly for me, Ant, is that the run game was humming. Tony Pollard. At, 
Yeah, TP, 109 and a TD, 8.4 yards per carry. And Zeke was pretty damn good as well. He had, uh, what, 16 for, I think it was 75 or so. Yeah, he almost almost got up to 100. I think he was around 100, if not just over, from a a total catches, uh, you know, receptions and and rushes standpoint. You'll probably hear a lot of dumb narrative out there saying, well, Pollard looks better. Why isn't Pollard getting more touches? Mm -hmm. You know, like this is all as part of the offense. Zeke steps up, he blocks well. Uh, he's going to get his touches. Um, you know, a lot of it's game planning, especially if you compare the way they ran the ball and attacked a defense in week two versus in week one. It was a different game plan, which I'd love to see, you know, the versatility there. So I think you getting into the rushing a little bit is important because there's going to be games they ride that and they ride that one two punch, and I'm here for it. Yeah, I think that that finding a way to win is is so key. Uh, both these running backs combined for five for fifty seven as well. Uh, so nice to see Zeke getting a little bit involved. Both of them getting involved in the passing game. But you know, we we fast forward here to the Cowboys in the home opener versus the Eagles, um, and I think that that find a way to win is is so key here. You know, you look at this Philly defense, which I do think is slightly overrated. Uh, we're looking at an eight DVOA with a number seventeen Dave that screams regression. Uh, for the negative in, in favor of the Cowboys here. But if you go a little bit deeper into that, their run DVOA is number 18 in the league. The pass DVOA is number six. So if anything, this is showcasing that the Cowboys should be able to continue to run. And I think that number six is also overrated. The Falcons were hilariously bad in week one. And, uh, you know, you, when you think San Francisco 49ers, you're not exactly thinking an aerial attack. So I think based on opponents that that's a little inflated too. And I'd like to see this Cowboys offense get back to, you know, elite levels with their defense being good enough. First uh, home opener uh, in division. Like, it, I think the narrative matches up with the, with the data. And, and that's going to be a, a play I'm definitely playing. A play I'm I'm definitely going to play. Say that 10 times fast. Bang. And that's on Monday nighter, I believe, right? Prime time? Sunday night, I think. Sunday night. It's one of the two. It's definitely an 8 p.m. start. We'll check. Um, Prime time NFC East battle, which nobody in the country wants to watch except, you know, for me. For me. I'm here for it. Well, look, I will jump into one of my plays. I may need a little bit of your help because I'm still finalizing it. Could end up by the end of this discussion being... Uh, two half unit plays. Maybe it's one one unit play. I I don't know, but we're gonna talk it through. We're gonna analyze uh, theme of the day. A little bit of regression. Um, but I'm targeting the Miami Dolphins, uh, Las Vegas Raiders. I wanted to say Oakland so bad, and I didn't uh, match up. So this is actually a rematch from last year. These two teams played uh, out of division in December. Um, the Dolphins won 26-25. And what I remember to be a lot of back and forth, a bit of a coming out party at the time for Tua, who played pretty well. Um, so they won late. Miami did close as a two-and-a-half-point favorite, three in some spots. And the total also went slightly over the 49-and-a-half closing line uh, from what I remember seeing. Now, what I'm looking at here is a, a lean towards the Dolphins and a heavier lean most likely towards the under. And I'll get into why. I mean, uh, one, I think these are two good defenses. And when you compare it to some of the offensive stats and comparisons, things, a lot of things were just lining up and pointing to that total. An interesting thing about that total too, is where it opens. Um, So you see it now sitting around 45 and a half. Again, remember this line was 49 and a half and went over last year. And now you see it, you know, coming down. Um, Obviously year to year, roster to roster, things are different. Uh, But a nice little trend as a starting point there to start giving some inkling too about where you know some of those projections might land and why that number is landing a little bit lower yeah for sure and is Tua confirmed playing 
No, and that's one of the interesting things where I think this thing may be a bit of a hold. I don't know if the lines are all adjusting because of what Tua versus, uh, you know, Brissett means. I personally don't think, and I think you tweeted this or texted this at 1.2 during last week's game, like Brissett is a capable backup. You know, I thought this guy was going to take the reins in, in Indy and win and well, and he's he's jumped in as a starter. It's never been pretty. It's never been, you know, consistently uh, good or great, but, you know, obviously viable. I think the guy can come in and run an offense. He's won games in the NFL. So an interesting point for sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I did tweet it. He threw a pick like two plays later. Yeah, was, exactly. So time. just don't – I just need you to not tweet anything on Sunday. So. <laughs> How's that sound? Absolutely, man. Yeah, I think there's some interesting things here, right? You, you touch on the offense from Miami. Their DVOA is 30th. Obviously, their Dave projection is, is far better than that. Yes. Uh, 22nd. So far better than that, perhaps a stretch, but better than that. They've underperformed so far, and Vegas has uh, actually underperformed a little bit as well, apparently. Yeah. Um, which doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah, which does not surprise me. You know, on the defensive side, too, I think you're looking at two pretty good units, and maybe the Raiders are a little bit uh, overachieving. I think you expected this out of Miami to yeah. some degree. You know, I don't know what the Dave on the defense is. Yeah, I've got it right here. Uh, for Las Vegas, it's 20 compared to 16th of actual rea- reality, and then Miami is 13th compared to 11th. So yeah. Uh, so again, a little enough. bit on both sides, right? Yeah. Um, I think you know another interesting point. And then we'll get into some of the stats. Las Vegas did start two and zero last year. Uh, mm-hmm. They f- ended up finishing going eight and eight. It was a lot of 500 ball throughout. So not you know uncommon for them to have some hot starts out of the gate. I don't know what that chalks up to. I don't know if it's good scheduling, you know, getting hyped. You know, one of these wins they did have this year was their home opener, the first time, you know, home opener in quotes, right? The first time they did have fans in Vegas. So I do think it was a different environment. Um, And they obviously showed out there. Uh, And then they showed up in week two and kept it up. But this is kind of that spot where you see a Gruden-led team and Derek Carr-led team over the last few years kind of stub their toe, right? A winnable game, Mm -hmm. uh, something they probably should get done, especially maybe given the Tua news. But, you know, do do they get it done? So... Yeah, and there's just so many question marks for me on this one, right? Like Miami, I haven't been a believer last year. I'm still not fully a believer in Tua. Um, you know, it's just rocky. It never looks good, but it gets the job done. Um, so whether or not he's healthy or not, then you got Josh Jacobs. He's also banged up. Even if we talk Derek Carr, he's averaging 408 yards per game this year in two games. His career average is 247.7. The last three years, he went 253, 253, and 256. The guy's been a creature of consistency. So like that screams small sample size outlier to me and yeah. did I pick him up and drop Trevor Lawrence on my fantasy team yes I did but that's kind of like a damned if you do damned if you don't type scenario so you know is Derek Carr the real deal it's nice that he finally has rugs who's balling out after hitting 100 yards last week he had seven targets on par with uh with Waller Hunter Renfro also playing great ball Peyton Barber was fine Kenyon Drake I think had five or six catches out of the backfield so it feels like this is a little bit more of a dynamic offense than he's ever had uh, you know Brian Edwards was supposed to be the dude last year with rugs but both of them were rookies both of them were wildly inconsistent. So if this is a squad that could find that consistency, then maybe we should be a little bit higher on the Raiders. But at the same time, if Miami can do what the data says they should be doing, we should be a little bit higher on them as exactly. well. So we need this is a Brissette, really, really tough one for me. You know, a full, a full week of game planning from Flores and Brissett, I think, helps. I think you get, uh, again, a defensive effort, which I'm about to get into. And let, let's talk about that because then maybe that does lean towards the under a little yeah. bit, which is where you know my gut was going given all these stats. So one of the things I was diving into a little bit over the last few days, which was a, a bit of fun, was a ESPN 
it was released on ESPN uh, stat to to track kind of pass rushing, run stopping, uh, blocking, um, reliant on NFL next gen player tracking data, player tracking statistics. So it's measuring a couple different things here, right? Uh, obviously, I mentioned pass rush, run stop, and then the blocking component of each of those, right? So the kind of the polar opposite. So the pass rush is specifically looking at how often a pass rusher is able to beat his block within 2.5 seconds uh, oh, wow. of the snap. And then vice versa, if a if a block, you know, an offensive lineman is able to hold that block, the run stop, you know, they're earning kind of like a win share type of thing, a point, you know, they earn a win, a, a defender earns a win by beating a blocker to to be in a better position to stop the run, disrupting the pocket, or um, running back by pushing a blocker, pushing their blocker downfield, uh, making a tackle, or containing a runner to you know switch and adjust a running lane, and again. Vice versa, the opposite for the offensive lineman. So something cool to look at at the you know offensive defensive line level, especially in the trenches, right, to see what's happening. And again, when you're trying to key in on offense versus defense and how these things might match up, it, I think it's going to be an interesting stat throughout the year uh, to keep comparing. So keep comparing. So one of the things that really jumped out was again Las Vegas sitting at the top of this, especially from a uh, a pass rush win rate right so they actually sit first in terms of um pass rush win rate uh miami sitting there at 28th in terms of pass block uh miami that's saying then that essentially Derek carr should have all the time in the world is the conclusion no that is saying that is saying that Brissett will have no time in the world. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. So Brissett's going to be under constant pressure or Tua if he plays. Yep. Uh, so advantage Raiders. Yeah. And I think that first is wrong. So I will check that. But again, they, they were higher than the, um, you know, than, than where the Dolphins sure. were. Um, yep, yep. And I think when I looked at this stat, right, it was consistent like that going both ways where, you know, even flipping it over to Miami and seeing how was Miami defensively lining up against Las Vegas from an offensive standpoint, you know, Miami comes in 33% run stop win rate. That's 12th in the league. The Raiders are 63% run block win rate, which is dead last, right? So Mm -hmm. they're not blocking either. Um, You know, some good individual efforts. If anyone watched that, um, you know, that – the Raiders' last game, Max Crosby was all over the field, right? A defensive end here. He was in the backfield. He was disrupting run lanes. He's high on these lists from an individual because they track it team and individual. So I think when you did all this cross-referencing, like it just does seem like a game, especially if Brissett does play and Flores wants to muck up the, uh, you know, the, the game plan, and then you bring in these defenses that have, you know, been right around their averages, maybe slight overachieving for the Raiders, slight underachieving for the Dolphins. Some regression that you're expecting potentially from Derek Carr in that Raiders offense. Maybe a little bit of a letdown spot, you know, off the epic, you know, performance sure. that the Raiders have had the first two weeks of the year. You know, I think it does spell to a game that's going to be a little bit messy and, and probably stay under that 45 and a half. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I'm looking at yards per play, points per play here. And Miami's yards per play right now is 3.9. Their points per play is 0.139, which, like, that's not sustainable. That is too low. That is too pathetic through two weeks. So if there's ever a time for Miami to be on the come up, uh, we're looking at a Las Vegas defense that allows 6.0 yards per play, uh, which is is relatively juicy, um, all things considered. So could be a good buy low. Could be a good buy low. So let's do a half unit on the Miami Dolphins plus three and a half. And let's do a half unit on the under. 
45 right, and a half here a little bit of this a little bit of that a yep. nice blend of total do answer. not do not same game parlay this or or do you i don't know i don't know i don't know i, I don't mean, know depending on your risk tolerance yeah. i suppose yeah look one thing on the on the on the dolphins too i mean again this is early betting data um and it's not all the betting data but at least per the action network uh 17% of the early bets were driving 52% of the money on the Miami Dolphins while the Las Vegas Raiders were humming around 83% of the bets uh, for only 48% of the money. That 83% ticket count, ticket share, um, greater than or equal to, there's only two other games on the board, the Arizona Cardinals against the lowly Trevor Lawrence-led Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans versus the maybe Carson Wentzless Indianapolis Colts, which I think is a good segue into your final spot. Yes, it is. Yeah, that was smoother than butter right there, Bang. baby. Um, Get the tie-dye out. Five and a half, yeah. <laughs> Last week, Ant complimented my finest tie-dye shirt, and I was very appreciative of it. Now, of course, I'm wearing all black, so just the New York way. But uh, neither here nor there. Titans minus 5.5 versus the Colts. I think you said it. Biggest question mark here. Carson Wentz is dealing with two sprained ankles. Um, not one, but two, um, which I think is going to be tough. Um, but I think there's... Sounds painful. Yeah, and this is a Colts team that wasn't in an underdog, I, I think, zero times. I think they were underdogs zero times in 2020. Uh, and now they've been an underdog three weeks in a row. Coming That's called the uh, Philip the Philip Rivers factor. Yeah, I mean, Rivers, we like him for a lot of different reasons. Uh, his fertility being one of the highest... Um, but nonetheless, you know, I think there's a lot to like here uh, about the Titans. Let's start with the Colts, right? Okay, Carson Wentz, two sprained ankles. Um, and they're looking to now potentially starting a backup. Uh, Easton, who fine college career for sure, uh, against a bad defense. This is the Titans defense. It's number 30 in DVOA, number 32 in Dave. That makes the Green Bay Packers defense look look good, which is, which is crazy. Um, but this Colts offense has struggled. They only scored 16 points against the Seahawks, which is not a particularly strong defense. They did score decently well against the Scrap Rams, 24 points in a 27-24, uh, but it wasn't particularly efficient. Nobody really stood out in the box score there. Um, and, you know, I think what's interesting with the Colts here is that their defense, too, appears to be underperforming. Their DVOA right now is 26. Their Dave is 14. So it seems like there is a lot of room for improvement on this Colts defense versus expectations. But even with that underperformance, they seemingly can't stop the run. They allowed Henderson to have 4.1 yards per carry, Sonny Michelle 4.6, and Chris Carson in week one at 5.7. And Ant, perhaps you've heard of this guy, Derek Henry, who uh, just came off a 35 for 183, 82-yard uh, effort, including, uh, I think, three or four at least uh, catches. He has nine catches on 10 targets this season, something that he hasn't really been a part of so far. So, you know, we look at this Titans. I think there was a major under overreaction after week one. Uh, they only ran a play action 11.6 times that week. Last year, that was over 35% of their plays uh, or passing plays were play action. Uh, I think they got back to that a little bit more in week two. Obviously, with Henry mashing, that helps. And I think this, this is a Colts team that's going to have to overreact to stop Henry, which should open up the uh, air for, for our guy, Ryan Tannehill. And it's not that Tannehill necessarily had a bad day last week. He did have a six-yard touchdown called off the board from Julio Jones on, a, I would say, a questionable call. It could have gone either way. It was tight nonetheless. But he still threw for 347 yards in addition to you know Henry running for 185. So that's a big day on the ground. And I think that kind of continues this week. I think Henry 
you know, they have to sell out to stop him. And I think A.J. Brown, who had a couple drops in the weeks one and two, and Julio Jones starting to get on the same page, uh, are going to need to get together. So, you know, if we look at yards per play, um, you know, I think it's interesting. With Colts and the Titans offense are very, very similar, 5.1 and 5.3. If Carson Wentz is playing with two sprained ankles, you obviously have to downgrade that. If the Colts are playing with a backup, obviously you have to downplay that. And then we look at the Titans there at 5.3. They had one of the worst offensive performances in their last five years. You know, don't go check me on that. It's a little bit of hyperbole, but so that obviously should be coming up. Um, so that is a huge advantage here for uh, the the Titans. And then the Colts defense has been terrible, 6.7 yards per play. And the Titans defense has been terrible at 6.8 yards per play. So at five and a half here, I do think that the, the, the Titans are at least one possession better, given all the injuries, given them finding their stride a little bit, uh, and given them uh, – is it at home or is it away? I forget yeah, exactly. We can check. We can check. Yeah, Do you think what what is the what is the news on Wentz and Eason right now? Still TBD. Still TBD. It is in Tennessee, which I also love, um, obviously, yep. and you know it just feels like a good spot. They need to stop the run. If they sell out to stop the run, that just further makes the play action pass that much better. That's when the Titans are at their best, uh, and I'm expecting them to come come in pretty hot uh, at home against a, a hobbled uh, Colts team. King Henry, the man, will not stop running. Yeah, crown him. Crown him. So, mean. that's that, I suppose. Uh, quick summary of what we just discussed. Uh, your main man, she is here. I'm on the Cowboys, three and a half. I'm on the Ravens, first half, minus four. And I'm on the Titans, minus five and a half. And here, he... Uh, he, I think, decided kind of in real time, had a lot of data in front of him, but was able to talk himself into it. He is looking at a half-unit play on Miami as underdogs, as well as, you said the under? A half-unit on the under at 45 and a half. All right, baby. So that's five Sharp. picks right there for you guys. Last week, we went undefeated. Week one, we did not. Uh, so let's hopefully, if anything, we'll find middle ground and towards that undefeated side of things. Uh, and we'll, we'll hopefully have some fun. It's going to be a great Sunday, hopefully a great Thursday, hopefully a great Monday full of profits abound. Profit is profit. Profit is profit. As always, guys, this is, this was, this will continue to be, continue to be high, uh, short-term high volatility investments. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.